This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, it is just, uh, just a, a, a we're we're back. I mean, the Blue Jackets are. It's a rough place to be right now. Um, if you've been looking at the standings, the Blue Jackets keep their hold on fifth. Um, we're at 26 games. They have 25 points for a .481 points percentage. To get into fourth, they need to climb six points to get to the Chicago Blackhawks, who have a 596 win percentage. Putting it in perspective, the Blue Jackets in their last 10 games are 3-6-1. and one. Chicago is 6-3-1. and one. The Blue Jackets have a negative 16 goal differential. Uh, according to the good folks over at Money Puck, the Blue Jackets are down to a 7.3% chance to make the playoffs. The New Jersey Devils currently have a better chance. It's been a rough go, that's for sure. Um, the game against Dallas on Saturday night was not fun. Um it's the kind of game that early on you felt like, oh, maybe we can, oh, the refs are getting us. The refs are screwing us on this one, boys. Oh, no. And, and I mean, to an extent, there is some truth to that. I mean, when the first goal should have been dislodged for goal interference, then that leads to a power play where the, the Sabres score or the Stars score. And then their third goal was one where there was an obvious should have been tripping call on the Stars, and then they score the play after that. At three nothing, there was this sense of oh, we've been eh, had, but then the score, the stars score two more to make it five nothing. And when you look at things like the Blue Jackets lost the expected goals for battle, although their expected goals for was only point nine two, they lost the possession battle as far as being measured by Corsi. They just they just weren't the better team. So I mean, I get the you know. Some of this is we can look back and say they lost for X, Y, and Z reasons, but uh, and and something else to talk about with the Blue Jackets is I, I took a look at it today. This team is I was looking through it and I was looking through it by the expected goals for the Blue Jackets have been the better team by expected goals for in twelve of their games this season, twelve out of twenty six. Twelve out of twenty-six games. Um, they've won ten games. Uh, so if you think of it in terms of, you know, you had the higher expected goals for out of twenty-six games, it's point four six one percent of the games they've played. They had the higher expected goals for they they in that in that by that estimation they were the better team. Their points percentage is point four eight one. So they are at where they deserve to be by by that standard um and you just i mean at this point something we've talked about on the show for a while now is the ides of march because where we're at the blue jackets will on tuesday uh play the panthers at seven o'clock then on thursday they play the panthers a team that's been better than them and then they have two games against the stars next saturday and sunday and the reason we're talking about the Ides of March is 
that that's when I'm feeling like we'll we'll know where this team's at. Um, because after that is the uh dreaded four game or yeah, four straight games against the Hurricanes where I don't think they're gonna match up well the way they've been playing. I mean it there's time to turn this around, but it's running out quickly. And and you're gonna get into a tougher part of the schedule. Cause again, you got the Panthers twice coming up. Then you get the Stars, and you get the Hurricanes for four straight, who look great. And you get two against the Red Wings, which I guess is good. Two against the Lightning. Then two again against the Panthers. Two again against the Lightning. Then I think you get your last two against the Blackhawks. And that's really the chance to, to turn it around. But that's mid-April at that point. I, I, I'm I getting the feeling very strongly that this team will be out of it before that. That's just my feeling at this point. Um, I just don't see... This team has not played up to what they could do. This team has not played well. Um, again, win 12 games, you're the one who has the higher expected goals for it. That is not a good thing. That that doesn't show well. I think I think Corsi's never is it Corsi is an informative stat, but I don't think it's perfect because again, Corsi, I don't think teams got there in game Corsi, but Corsi, because it can just be shots from whatever. I don't think it's a perfect measure. I think the expected goals for is a, a solid way to look at it. And I, I'm getting to the point where this season, it's just kind of, I just watch a game. It, it's feeling, this will be depressing for a lot of fans out there, but it's feeling like a lot of Brown seasons where the season's feeling like it's lost. And all we can really do is just wait for that. Um, just, just wait for that to finish. Uh, it's not great. It's just not a great feeling. Um, a- as far as things that I find interesting going on right now, I, uh, something that that uh, Aaron Portsland started doing on The Athletic, and I really enjoyed it, is what he, he calls it the Sunday Gathering. It's just kind of wrapping up some things around the week. Item one he went into was Yarmulkekalainen hunting a center. And this is, this is a, a, a story that is just endlessly frustrating because it's it's like deja vu all over again to quote the great yogi Berra. because something i talked about last season and coming into this season was imagine how good the blue jackets would be if if artemi panarin had stayed um because this is a team that was making playoffs last year they you know beat toronto and then even made you know it gave gave a good fight to to tampa and probably could have done more so if they'd had a player like Artemi Panarin in place. Um, playing with a Pierre-Luc Dubois who was becoming better. And now neither one of those players on the team. And the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation feels very similar. I I, I'm, I mean, right now, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's the third-line center for Winnipeg. He's, he's starting to play well for them. I mean, he's a good player. Of course he was going to. But you just... Uh, this team has got such a history of Imagine if this player who we'd had it either stayed or in the situation of a player like Jeff Carter had had any level of professionalism in just trying to be here. And I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. Because I mean, I I mean I get that like in, in the situation Pierre Dubois, yeah, his dad coaches in Winnipeg. Is that what it was? He wanted to be near his dad? Or he just wanted to be back in Canada? 
Jeff Carter, I guess it was, oh, I'm in Philadelphia. That's a big city. Oh, I don't want to be in Columbus. And then he goes to Los Angeles and he's happy because it's another big city. I don't know. I mean, he was with probably one of the best players he was ever going to play with in Rick Nash, and that wasn't enough for him. I mean, Artemi Panarin, when he left, he left to go to a rebuilding situation. Pierre-Luc Dubois, it wasn't about winning. I mean, at least I don't think it was because where where was he going to go? Where was he going to go? And it's just the frustrating thing. So now Columbus is back to hunting for a center. And the way that... from the way that that Porson writes it, and I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, The quote that he goes with, this is the quote from Kekalainen. I can assure you we understand the importance of the center ice position. That's why we did a lot of the moves we did in the offseason, and it hasn't gone exactly, hasn't exactly gone as planned. I can assure you we'll keep searching and doing our job and building a team. We have some very good potential center ice been growing into that role within our team, but we're also going to look for ways to strengthen that position from the outside. Portsline's little commentary is that's quite an admission by Kekalainen, who rarely calls a shot or puts even some of his cards on the table. And it says something about uh, and it says something about the current centers on the roster, doesn't it? And this is this is where I believe there's some level of truth to that, in that when you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, I mean, right now, you know, on any given night, we don't know if Nick Felino and Boone Jenner are gonna be playing at center. When our top Center prospects are Texier, Ross Levick. I mean, Max Domi is supposed to be a center, but that hasn't turned out. And it's it's a frustration. And and I and somebody, I just I I can see where you were just always looking for that next one. And and here's you know let me get into the next phase of this because um, I think it has a point of this. The other big thing that, that Portsline mentioned in this thing uh, was apparently the Blue Jackets think they can turn Patrick Line into a power forward. And he doesn't seem necessarily opposed to it, um, but apparently that's kind of what they wanted to do with him in Winnipeg. I mean, he's a big body. He really is. But there's a certain also mentality that comes from playing that way. And if he doesn't have it, I mean, as much as you can try and teach it, you can, but you also run into a problem of, are you trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? Something I remember for a long time talking about and seeing, and, and being a football fan, it's an easier thing. Football is a good way to compare coaching sometimes because of any given sport. Football is the one where the coach has the most uh, uh, evidence on the field that you can see easily because the coach is the one calling the plays and doing all that. And something that happens in football quite a bit. You'll see some coach come in who's had success as an offensive coordinator somewhere else or something else, and he'll come on to a team and he'll be like, well, this system worked for me somewhere else, so we're going to do the system. Whereas the best coaches are the ones who look at the talent they have and say, okay, what's the best way to to use this talent and get the best we can out of it? And the fear I've got with Patrick Line right now is that that, what we're going to do is, well, how do we make him fit our system? How do we, because it's, it's, it's like what they want him to be, what a better shooting Josh Anderson. Cause that's not going to happen. Now, if there's things you can do to coach him to be a more complete player, that's not a bad idea. Um, 
the the thing that got mentioned in the article was that Ken Hitchcock put Rick Nash on the on the penalty kill to make him a more complete player. Maybe something like that's helpful. Now it's it doesn't work right now because it feels like you're trying to play for your lives and the Blue Jackets are in the unenviable position of okay, is this a team that needs to do kind of a rebuild, a reload? When you're also talking about having to try and re-sign Patrick Laine, who, while he's an RFA, is on the final year of being an RFA, and he can just take you to arbitration, and also trying to re-sign Seth Jones, you know, what are you doing there? Because um, if you signal to those guys you're rebuilding, they're not going to want to stay, or they're going to want tons of money to stay. So, so you're just in a rough situation all around. And some of this gets back into my original idea of, is this the right coach for this team right now? Um, because Tortorella seems to have already taken this team through a life cycle of, okay, we've got talent, we can be good, to, okay, we're good, to, okay, now we're we rebuilding, what are we doing? And what it feels like this team needs is someone who develops offensive talent, and that's never been Tortorella's calling card. Uh, they need someone who can get these guys going and scoring. We need somebody who can get Jack Roslovic and Alexander Texier to be, you know, I mean, it may be, maybe just their ceiling is they won't be one and two centers, obviously, but we need someone who can sh- who can get them scoring. Max Domi, he's not even scoring as a winger. And that's the thing. Nobody scores the way they should on these teams with, with the Blue Jacks. And that's part of the reason I say we got to move on from Torres at some point. Um, because you're not even controlling expected goals for in games. It's not like you're, you know, your situations are getting you there. It's a frustration, that's for sure. So uh, I'm going to hear a word from my friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'll be right back with you. He's my brother, Mike. He's my brother, man. And we are the Brothers of Discussion, hosting Red Wings Rant, where tirades and impassioned pleas about your Detroit Red Wings finally have a vote. In a season mired in tragedy and despair, we are here to be your audible Earl Grey, to bring joy, placidity, and perspective to one of the roughest eras of Red Wing history. Ah! We honor the past, find the positives in the present, I swear they're there. And paint the picture of what's to come in the Winged Wheels future. Paul Woods here on the radio broadcast of your Detroit Red Wings, and I'm going to play games like Who's That, Who's that Pokemon? Pokemon? Where Matt has to try and guess quotes pulled right out of context for Jeff Blashaw, and we got to figure out who that Red Wing is. <laughs> Every episode, we put ourselves in the legendary shoes of Steve Eiserman and play Be the GM. Finding ways to ice a competitive team while accumulating assets for the franchise's future. We also shoot the breeze. Some of the great local and national voices in Red Wings hockey, including Ken Kell and Keith Gave and Greg Wachinski and Ryan Lambert. Check us out every Monday and Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. And check us out live every Wednesday and Sunday for Red Wings reactions and live conversations with you on our YouTube channel, The Brothers of Discussion. All right, folks. Um, seeing my, I'm seeing good old Mark Sheeg quoting on Twitter here. Given the way the games worked out today, Blue Jackets will enter the week just six points behind Chicago for fourth in the Central. Still 30 games left. I'm not feeling positive about it. I hope they prove me wrong. That would be great, but I just am not feeling good about what's going on. Um, in an interesting note, uh, the Athletic, they did a, a thing, 12 
potential deadline moves that are not players that are in their top 20. One of them is Nick Felino. Now, this is the second time I've heard Felino mentioned. He seems to be mentioned in connection to uh, Toronto and other times I've seen. This is the first one I've seen where they connect him to Florida, um, being someone that's known as Bill Zito. And it's even thrown out there with the idea that he could be traded and then re-signed by Columbus in the offseason, which that feels like a play, a thing that could happen. Um, I mean, it depends on where this team goes. And that that's that's the tricky thing about where this team is now. Uh, are we saying it's time to rebuild it? And and we need to start trying to... Or, I don't know. I, I mean, this is the kind of thing where if Yarmo decides to trade guys out of the room, I feel like this is a trade deadline where he needs to sit down and have a conversation with some guys before he does stuff um, about what the vision of the team is. Because here's the thing. You have to get buy-in. Uh, with, with the guys we've got coming up as free agents or close to being restricted free agents, you've got to get buy-in. And uh, that's where some of these decisions like do you keep the coach? Do you do this? And I'm not saying that he needs to go and the players decide if we keep the coach or not. It's Yarmo needs to know what it is he's selling to these guys. Is he selling to them? You know what? We think all the pieces in place can do it, but just this wasn't our year or we just need one more piece or something. Cause here's what can happen when you do trades like this. I mean, you can make things work. Say you send Nick Felino to Florida or Toronto and you get a second say either one of those two things happens then you've all of a sudden then you've got a a situation of okay now we've got that second that we can use for stuff um and maybe you use that second for for you know getting other prospects in the future or making a move to make the team better next year um the other player that get mentioned is max domi i feel i feel like what's going to happen with max domi to me is going to be the the resolution on is it time to move on from torts? Uh, because honestly, if if you traded Josh Anderson and the player you get in return is just not worth it, well, I mean Yarmo Kekalainen made that trade thinking he was getting a good player. So what happened? What did he get? What what you know did? Is it that Yarmo can't read the talent, so he just got nothing for the deal? Is that what happened? I don't know. That's that's my take on it at this point. I think I think there's a lot of questions left for us um, before we get any real answers on this, and that's going to be a problem. Hopefully, the team can start winning games, and I just feel like an idiot here in a couple of weeks. That'd be amazing. Um, yeah, it was one of the stories I was looking at, but it's it's not one I wanted to. I'm going to jump into here yet. I'm excited. Uh, they're saying the Blue Jacks are going to be up to, I think somebody was being a stickler into 23% capacity or 25% capacity, whatever. It'll be cool to see kind of a bigger crowd in the games. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, maybe that'll help the guys out. I don't know. We'll see. But thank you guys all very much for listening, watching all that good stuff. Hopefully we've got better stuff to talk about soon. Thank you very much and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief. And thank you for listening.